This is a Kitty Pod production. Amy Meyerson's tribute to Nora Ephron will not be seen tonight, so that we may bring you the following program, which will eventually be replaced by ChatGPT one day. From Television City in Hollywood. Hey, man! Welcome to episode number 178 of the Keep It To Yourself podcast, the most above-average podcast ever to hit your ear holes. And an award-winning podcast that hasn't won jack shit for awards. My name, of course, and as always, is Jason Bullet. The regulator, innovator, dominator, creator, updater, plus the imitator, assassinator, baby. I demand the hour, demand the power, too sweet to be sour. I'm your premium. That's right, it's me, Smokey Bear. Gosh, what a neat guy. The cream of the crop. Nobody does it better. Baby, baby. And I'm coming to you on the Stormwatch once again, here in the rolling hills of Saratoga County, New York. It is Sunday night, the 12th of March, 2023, as I record this. It is Oscar night, the 95th Annual Academy Awards. So that's why I got the awards reference in there earlier. Got a massive snowstorm about to bear down on the northeastern United States, and this part of the world too. So I want to get this out quick before the shit goes down. And part of the electrical grid from all reports, what I've been hearing, scuttlebutt. So what are we going to be talking about in this episode, you ask? Well, I'm continuing on the autism train as we barrel our way toward April and Autism Awareness and Acceptance Month. I'm going to discuss autism and physical fitness and also the challenges those of us on the spectrum have to achieving ends to, you know, living a better life, the struggles we go through and how all that plays into why number of us aren't as healthy as people would like us to be, he said rather haltingly. But before we get to all that, let's just get to our social media right here, thank heavens. What we're going to do is give you my Twitter address. I'm not on Twitter anymore. Whoops. Hello. Instagram is at Keep It To Yourself Podcast. There's also the Facebook page. And also there is the Email, the world's loneliest email. He said, stumbling over his words. Oh, get on with it, will you? It's kitypod at gmail.com. So there you have it right there. Ignore what that man just said. Okay, folks, not much in the vanity department here other than getting ready for the big snowstorm I alluded to just moments ago. However, the one event that I want to highlight was this past Thursday night. Now, sometime after work, I made my way up to Saratoga, and I went to North Shore Bookstore. Adam Parada's wife, Amy Meyerson, has just come out with her third book called The Love Scribe. You may recall Amy when she was on the podcast for the first time back in June of 2018, and this came the month when her very first novel, The Bookshop of Yesterdays, came out. And we had a whole interview over at Harvey's in Saratoga, commandeered the back room or the private room or whatever that was, I re-released it on the earlier in the podcast, so go back and have a listen to that. That was quite the affair, I'll tell you. So, 2023, lots changed in the lives of both Amy and Mr. Parada. Uh, they are now proud parents of two kids, both of whom I got to see in person for the first time ever. Made my way upstairs to the second floor of North Shore Bookstore. Shout out. 
and that's where they have the children's section. You go upstairs, like a whole other section. And that's where they have these in-person events with the authors, and they discuss their book, get a little Q&A sesh with the audience right at the end. So Amy and this other author were having a discussion. So instead of a one person where she was just talking the whole time, there was a uh, you know a little Q&A, a little interview, and a book reading, at least one excerpt thereof. So that was a great time. Adam was there, of course, her husband and father of the two kids. Uh, Brad Wal, not Brad Walbridge, it was his birthday. I, I, that would have been weird. That's like the Walbridge building is right next door to the uh, the bookstore, that whole building there. Anywho, it's, as I was trying to say, Don Benway was there, uh, Tom Perry, no Joe Bruno, though, unfortunately. He did not show up. Uh, another one of my classmates, a female one, shout out Danielle Lacombe. She was also in attendance as well, so it was great to see some old friends. And there was one person, uh, this guy named Mike, whom I confused for somebody else I haven't seen since we graduated. So I want to say, Mike, if you're listening, I want to say, sorry I confused you for somebody else and gave you a bit of an awkward scene there in the second floor of the Northshire Bookstore. And Adam's mom wanted me to shout out her mom on the podcast, so I met her just as I was getting ready to get out and head home and all that. So great time. Thank you, Northshire Bookstore. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Amy. I bought a copy of the book, got it signed. And Well, there you go right there. That was... Uh, Thursday night right there. So a very short, thankfully in some circles, vanity portion to spend some of this weekend trying to get ready for the big snowstorm. So there you have it right there. You'll, you'll find on the next episode how I survived that whole deal. But for now, let's get to our main topic of this episode, and that is autism and physical fitness. But first, this word from Alcoa. Honestly, what the doing here all right folks we've made it to the main topic of this episode and that's autism and physical fitness spring is right around the corner and that means for many people getting out and resuming outdoor activities you know like going walking running jogging playing organized sports or maybe disorganized sports one thing or another like that my nephew's going to be back to playing baseball in about May or so, but that's beside the point. Now, as much as everybody wants to get in on playing sports, there are some barriers to those of us on the spectrum and also those who have intellectual and or developmental disabilities. And there's this article I found while doing my research by the Kennedy Krieger Institute that discusses just that. I'm not going to read this verbatim. I'll just try and pick out the Main ideas in this article. Now, in doing my research, I happened upon this article from the Kennedy Krieger Institute entitled The Challenge of Physical Fitness for People with Autism. I'm going to make darn sure I post a link to this article in the show notes when this episode is released. That way you can read along. Now, it says youngsters may start to exhibit motor problems in infancy and such is often the case. They may be late when it comes to crawling, sitting, walking, or they get to those milestones, but they have rather unusual ways of achieving those milestones. Paul Lipkin, who is a developmental pediatrician and director of the Interactive Autism Network, he says, and I quote, it is very common for children with autism spectrum disorder to have some motor delays that are recognized by the parents 
before the delays in social and communication skills are apparent, end quote. Now, those of us on the autism spectrum as children and going into adulthood have at best average motor skills, if not below. Some of us go right in the latter category. And as such, may struggle with everyday activities such as using a toothbrush, riding a bike, or even putting their clothes on. Now, this article was published in 2018. They said recent study. Well, actually, published 2014, but last revised almost four years later. It said almost 10 years ago, recent study at that time used a test of motor skills to compare children with autism to both typically developing children and to children with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, ADHD for short. Children on the spectrum scored the poorest when it came to balance and in trying to catch a ball. They put less emphasis on what they saw when trying to catch a ball and more emphasis on input from their own muscles. That was from one of the researchers. Now, the tendency to, as the article puts it, discount visual feedback from the outside world when doing an activity is, say, trying to catch a ball, may be linked to difficulties in learning social skills and autism, that same study says. And when it comes to motor skills, it also involves planning ahead. That means knowing what you want your body to do and coordinating your movements to do it. Now, you know the thing about picking up a ball. Now, you got to plan to do, do the following. you got to bend down, grab the ball between your hands, bring it to your chest, straighten up your body, bing, 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 right on down the line. And you got to maintain your balance while doing all that. So you got a lot on the old play. There's a lot to do here. Now, when it comes to motor problems being a symptom of autism, doctors really don't fall in that camp. And there's some of us in the spectrum who are, in fact, good athletes. Well, not Michael Jordan or Aaron Judge level, but still, they're pretty good athletes, all things considered. However, according to the DSM, the Diagnostic Statistic Manual, which psychiatrists use to diagnose ASD, motor deficits are common, especially when it comes to an odd gait, you know, how we, you know, walking funny, overall clumsiness, and walking on tiptoes, like you're trying not to make noise or something. So there's that. Now... It's one thing when it's balance or lack thereof or coordination or lack thereof. There's also one thing that's motivated me to try and get out there and get some more exercise, and that is obesity and physical fitness or the lack thereof that causes the obesity. Now, being a toddler years, youngsters in this country, the United States of America, with autism spectrum disorder have a higher risk of being overweight or obese than other children. Well, it was lack of coordination, also my dad's coffee truck, but that's all by the by. Let's <laughs> just uh, leave it there. <laughs> so, I mean, I've tried my best with doing exercise, trying to lose weight and, you know, eat healthier too. Make better choices when it comes to what I put down my gullet on the daily. I'm 40 years old now. If I haven't started to give a shit now about that sort of thing, now is the time to do it if I haven't done it already. Good Lord Almighty, I tell you. Now, there's theories all over the joint as to why obesity is more common in those with ASD rather than other people, you know, neurotypicals. 
Now, some people on the spectrum take medication, probably certain antipsychotics that may cause our weight to balloon. I take medication, one for hypertension and the other for anxiety, and I don't think those are causes of gaining weight. I think it's just more physical activity or lack thereof and other stuff in that regard. Now, I was going to move on to fussy eating, but it's right in the next sentence. Many have extremely picking eating habits and picky eating habits and picking the same things, too. Strike out that which does not apply. And they only insist on eating a few foods that may be high in calories. Well, high in calories, yeah. But you want to make sure they're high in protein as well. And, you know, the good stuff. Low in carbs, protein, fiber, vitamins, you know, antioxidants, hypochondriacs, all that stuff. Now, youngsters with autism tend to be less physically active than kids who don't have developmental disabilities, a.k.a. neurotypicals, to which I reply, no shit. Regular physical activity is important for maintaining a healthy weight, and they cite the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Paging Dr. Fauci. Well, one way to get physical fitness is, well, playing sports, organized, or something like that. Anything from as spontaneous as a pickup game of basketball or playing organized sports like baseball and basketball. I mentioned that a few times. Saw my nephew do something like that you know, over this past winter. You know, joining a soccer league, you know, that's in the fall, but playing sports that match the season. You get the idea. Now, safety can be one such barrier to those in the autism for wanting to get out there and play uh, certain organized sports. According to IAN or EN research, nearly half of children with autism spectrum disorders wander or run away, and half of those go missing. Parents and caregivers may keep a child who wanders indoors more often to protect him or her. Well, that's as may be, and I know I quoted the article again, but you want to get him outside, but they're like, whoa, what's this? <laughs> get distracted more than anything else. And there's one, one example the article cites here. At the extreme lengths, parents will go to keep their kids safe. There's a woman named Kimberly. I'm not going to mess with her last name because I can't pronounce it for the life of me, and I don't want to mess it up. Uh, there's this woman named Kim who lives near Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Her house is a six-foot fence around the yard. Okay. When her son with autism was a youngster, he was really keen to run away, and she had the fence built in the hopes that it would keep him safe. Well, one day she looked away for a moment, and when she looked back, like, hey, where'd he go? He had climbed halfway up the fence, so he didn't disappear entirely. So he was halfway up that sumbuck. He liked to jump from high places, she said, because the kid craved the sensory pressure of his feet hitting the ground. Now, the woman here participated in the Simon Simplex Collection Autism Research Project, whatever that is. She said, for years we had to keep him inside because he was such a danger to go outside. I had a lot of guilt because I couldn't chase him all the time, end quote. And end accent, too. So, to try to mitigate things, she wound up rolling Jack in this recreational soccer league. That's her kid's name. That's the son there. I'm like, I will bury the lead there. Anyway, Ms. Kimberly said, In wide open spaces, he was compelled to run to the limits. He wouldn't stay on field. He would go to the fence. 
So as much as it was trying to mitigate things for her son, Jack, unfortunately, his desire to wander really would interfere at times. And probably most of the time by the sounds of it here. Jack was fascinated by water, so the family built a swimming pool in the yard for him. He taught himself to hold his breath underwater, and he learned to swim and surf. So, well, wasn't going to be the next David Beckham, but probably be the next, uh, say, Michael Phelps, or next male swimming superstar. All right, going ahead in the article, this heading asked whether certain social skills are necessary for sports. Now, safety is one barrier that will keep those in the spectrum, or especially the youngsters, from wanting to participate or having any interest in participating. It's also you know, understanding the rules of games and the social conventions thereof. Now, you know, basketball, you know, communication in some of these sports. Basketball, you know, non-verbal, like, I'm open, over here. All right, football is like, throw it this way, throw deep. Or, you know, look out for the linebacker. Don't get sacked. Or one thing like that. Baseball would be like all of a thing. Like, hey, about about hey, about about hey, about about You're trying to fight that. You're like, Ricky. Something like that. I don't know about baseball, but, you know, team sports like that. There's another mother also named Kim. Popular name in this article. She had tried soccer and swimming programs with her eight-year-old son. Well, eight years old when this article was written. A lot older now. He'd probably be in high school. The kid had crawled and walked late, and even when this article was written, his physical coordination was not quite as developed as other boys his age. I don't know if it's improved some. It probably has, but nothing earth-shattering here. However, when it came to the kid and his, the problem in playing sports, his physical skills certainly weren't an issue here. Ms. Martin said, or Mrs. Martin, I must use the correct honorific here, said, if the only issue we had was motor skills, we'd be fine. He has sensory issues that sometimes preclude him from using his motor skills because it's too loud or too bright. If he's standing there with his hands over his ears, how is he going to function in a game? We also have social and emotional challenges that other people don't understand. And there ends that quote. I mean, sometimes it was tactile issues, the sensory stuff with the clothes worn. I remember playing Challenger League Baseball, and this was uh, when I was 12 years old. This was my age 12 years, so sixth grade. We're getting toward the end of the season. They gave us, like, these white pants, like, you know, you'd see normal kids wear in baseball, you know, or other people in baseball, too, you know, like that. So, in any event, you know, it was a bit difficult for me to, uh, you know, wear those kind of pants. And I probably just wear other stuff, too. I barely remember that, but I figured I'd bring it up. Anyway, back to the article. Many children on the spectrum find certain sports to be emotionally and socially taxing because they involve following complex rules, waiting your turn to play or get the ball, and interacting with many children all at once. How about when you're an adult? I mean, I also remember playing volleyball when I was uh, my mid to late 20s. You know, playing at this middle school in Saratoga. And volleyball, you can't serve the ball unless you rotate out. So you go like, you start at the back, you snake your way through the front, and then once you're serving, you like, go right back. Also playing in gym class as well. So it can be a little taxing. You really got to pay attention out there. The ball comes your way before you know what's going on. Now, 
Back to the oracle here. I feel like I picked out some of the main ideas. I feel like um, kind of giving examples here. I'm reading the oracle verbatim. Now, Ms. Martin here found a running group that's tailed the children on the spectrum near her home in Atlanta. There were no complicated rules to follow, no waiting. Seemed to be a good fit, right? However, there was one hitch in the old giddy-up, or one fly in the ointment, or other apt metaphors. Finn was one to uh, slug it out with other runners in the program, and of course upset the other kids' parents, and sure made Ms. Martin feel like the pits. While the kid had benefited from occupational therapy and therapeutic horseback riding to address sensory challenges common to autism, this problem was way different than even she would have expected. She wouldn't go back. Now, she told the kid that he wouldn't go back to the group until he stopped uh, making with the punchy punch. So instead, he'd run with her and follow certain rules, including no touching. Now, well, that's a great story here. He said, while they were running together, however, he started whacking me. I said, what are you doing? And he said, Mom, high five. I'm like, that's not a high five. That's fist bump. What are you doing? Try to give him the high five, like dap him up. <laughs> Uh, Ms. Martin, Mrs. Martin says, here I go again with mixing up the honorifics. Mrs. Martin was quoted as saying, this light dawned on me. He wasn't misbehaving. He wasn't being aggressive. End quote. When he hit his fellow runners, he'd been trying to give him a high five. I'm like, no, he's supposed to go open palm, not you know, dap him up as we discussed just moments ago. So you got to wait for the other person to get in there and you know, dap him up or, you know, you know, if I just put it out there, I'm like, hey, put him up, dap him, boom, got it. Now, there's also teaching physical education to those on the spectrum. That's a part of many curricula in schools for many, many years. Now, it can be noisy, it can be crowded, and you could easily get lost in the shuffle in that whole deal. There's this man named Brian Wagner who is a physical education teacher, and he understands more than most the issue that those students on the spectrum face being in the gym. There's uh, Mr. Wagner. He was, I don't know if he's still there now, but at the time this article was written, he was a teacher at Kennedy Krieger High School, a non-public school for students with developmental disabilities and has a degree in special education. Now, I don't know if the Kennedy Krieger High School is affiliated with this institute. I One would think so. I'll do a follow-up here and I'll let you know in the next episode. Back to the lecture at hand here. Now, some of Mr. Wagner's students they would come from schools where they really didn't get any attention or accommodations that his smaller classes provide. It also isn't uncommon for him to hear that a new student hates phys ed class. In a previous school, that student may have struggled to learn skills or understand the rules of the game while his classmates became impatient. Like, come on, man. Like Brian Arakpo out there. Come on, man. What are we doing out there, man? So, bearing that in mind, Mr. Wagner will routinely break down complex motor skills into small tasks and teach them step-by-step step how to accomplish certain tasks as far as what uh, is involved in the phys ed class. I said it poorly and paraphrased it poorly, but it says it right there. He'll also go so far as to adjust the rules of a game as necessary to accommodate students who struggle with remembering them. To that effort, he hopes to make physical activity enjoyable for students with special needs. Now, special education law here in the United States requires that students with disabilities 
receive phys ed, and, if necessary, special or adapted PE in which an instructor modifies the teaching, equipment, or environment to help the student. They didn't do it with me, but I came out just fine, you know. <laughs> and my mom, Lois Bullock, God rest her soul. God rest her amazing, beautiful soul. Try to get me as fair a shake as possible with the Saratoga Springs City School District when it came to me getting my education. I think this is one thing mom overlooked. And nothing against you. No offense taken, mom. Now, for instance, a teacher could teach a child how to throw a ball by putting dots on the floor to show a child where to place his feet while throwing. The teacher could say, step and throw, to remind him or her or them how to do it. There's also physical fitness, too. Um, Mr. Wagner, getting ahead in the article, recommends building movement into the student's day and finding activities that interest them. He said, the challenge is getting the kids hooked. And I, for one, who is not a teacher, would agree. So back to the former uh, Kim, the first one. She wound up getting her son to exercise at home by tapping into his interests in computers. She gave him a Nintendo Wii interactive fitness video game, or suite thereof, such as bowling and baseball. I remember when I, get, I got a Wii years ago for a Christmas present, and that was nice doing like Wii tennis, bowling, all that stuff. I also remember getting the Tiger Woods PGA Golf 2010. I got like a month after he was accused of you know, boning a Perkins waitress and crashing his car. I'm like, uh-oh. You know, Ella Norgren's going to find out about this. I'm in big trouble now. But I digress. You know, Kim says it did get his kids some cardio exercise and also stated that it was a better fit for him than being on a competitive sports team. And the kid has also gone so far as to participate in regional Special Olympics events. And Special Olympics has now groomed their programs to include people with autism as well as, you know, Down syndrome, all that stuff like that. And Special Olympics has been a wonderful organization. I've never participated in any of the events, but I've certainly heard about it. And if you have a child on the spectrum and you want to get them out there participating in athletic competitions, I advise you to look up the chapter in your neck of the woods. They're international as well, not just the United States, but Canada, Britain, Australia. They have the World Games every four years or so. They used to do the World Winter Games as well. And you can really get them in there as well. So there you go, folks. So if you're on the spectrum or you have a child that's on the spectrum and you want to get physical activity as much as the next person, I recommend the Special Olympics. So there you have it right there. Before we get to the end of this episode and the pod shout-outs and all that, you won't have to wait to the next episode for a follow-up. I found out that the school I just mentioned, the Kennedy Krieger High School, is indeed affiliated with the Institute and that school is located in Baltimore, Maryland. So just thought I'd clear that up and not take too long in doing so. So now with all that out of the way, let's get to the pod shout-outs. And that is, we're going to start with GFA Live. Peter Winston and Keith Langston, since last I spoke and you listened, three consecutive episodes. They did a massive three-parter. Or I don't know how many parts this is, but they got three episodes in where they did a live watch of WWF Survivor Series, 1988, the very first one. You can follow Pete and the podcast 
at GF Allentown Pod on Twitter. No episodes of the Sportscaster, the 24-inch podcast, so time off for Steve Bennett. The Break It Down show, Pete A. Turner, had Dan Joseph talking about this guy named Pete Reiser, the greatest what-if in the history of baseball. Shelby Kennedy was also a guest, as was Benjamin Barton, not Benjamin Button. You can follow the show on all your social media at Break It Down Show and the host of same at Pete A. Turner. The Loyal Littles Podcast. Andy Shane here and Arch Campbell. Wow. Oscars preview. We're guests of Chuck and Roxy. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Loyal Littles Pod and on Instagram at the Loyal Littles Podcast. And finally, 1 in 44 from the Anderson Center for Autism. We went international again. Jordan Ondong Penny and Saima Pata. Those are their names. Don't wear them out. Talking about what they learned at the Anderson Center and take them back to their respective lands and apply the knowledge of autism there. You can follow the Anderson Center on Twitter at Anderson Autism and on Instagram at Anderson Center for Autism. As for this little dog and pony show, you can subscribe, download, etc., listen, stream, whatever at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. Now, what I'm recording on Spotify is taking over, oddly enough. It's now called Spotify for Podcasts. It used to be called Anchor FM, but not anymore. A little side note there. But anyway, if your podcatcher has rating and review capabilities, do yourselves a favor and do me a favor mostly. Get us a five-star rating and a good write-up. Thanks in advance for that. And also, if said podcatcher also has not my podcast not on there, you can just take the feed from the show notes, paste it on there, and away you go. So there you have it. And that will do it for this edition of the Keep It To Yourself podcast, episode number 178. I certainly thank you for listening and going along for the ride. I'll talk to you next time, whenever that may be. And as always, and above all else, wait for it. Wait for it. Keep smiling. Otis lives. My man, you are the most righteous. Yeah, right. Just get the fuck out, man. Let's go. Shit. Come on. This has been a Kitty Pod production. Produced in Saratoga County, New York. Shared with the world.